so yeah, as, as Jason said, my name's Tucker. Uh, I'm super excited to be up here with you guys tonight. Um, yeah, I, I get paid to do um, what I do, but um, you know, for one thing, it's not a lot. Um, so, <laughs> but uh, no, but, but I love it and I love being able to have the opportunity to spend time with you guys. And um, yeah, so a little bit more just about me. Um, I graduated from Bryan College, which is up in Dayton, Tennessee. So just right up Highway 27, you drive straight. Um, and if you blink, you might miss it. But um, I graduated from there, and uh, I got to play baseball up there, which was just a ton of fun. Um, I just really enjoyed my time up there. Um, yeah, so I, I love sports. I love fun socks. Uh, tonight, I have ramen on my socks. You don't get to see them, but um, I have ramen on my socks tonight, which is great. I love fun socks. Um, I love my family. Um, I love our family's dogs. They're great. We just got a, uh, a grand dog, I guess. So I guess like I'm, I'm a dog uncle. I don't know. It's weird. Um, but my brother just got married, so we got another dog. But I love them. Um, I love my girlfriend. I love my girlfriend's dog. He's a little Yorkie poo. He's like the cutest little thing in the world. Like, I don't, I don't know why I love him, but I do. Um, <laughs> so if you get to spend any time with me, then you know that most of my humor is really based off of movie references and TV references. So um, I hope to get to hang out with you. You get to hear a lot of funny stuff uh, from other people that I get to put in conversations. But um, I, have, I have an older brother, I had two younger sisters, and actually all four of us played sports at Bryan. So my older brother and I both played baseball, my younger sister plays basketball, and my youngest sister plays volleyball. Um, so I think that's pretty cool. I don't know, just thought I'd share that. Uh, but yeah, mostly I love Jesus, and I am just, again, super excited to get to share that with you guys tonight. Um, so we're going to be walking through the story um, that we find in 1 John, chapters 1 through 9. So if you want to pull out your Bibles, either print or digital, doesn't matter, you can go ahead and do that. Um, while you're doing that, I'll just tell you, at Brian, we had chapel three days a week, and we couldn't have our phones out in chapel even for, uh, even for our Bible app because too many people are on, like, Twitter or Yik Yak or something like that. Does anyone remember Yik Yak? Does anyone, anyone remember Yik Yak? Yeah, that's, like, that's old school stuff, um, as I can say that now. But the Bible's more old school <laughs> Okay, so um, I have in my notes, please laugh, audience, and you didn't do it, so I appreciate it. But um, So I'm going to pray for us tonight, and um, you can open your Bibles and we'll get started. Um, so let's pray. Uh, Jesus, thank you so much for uh, these moments that we get to share together. Um, thank you so much for um, your word and the truth of it, and I, I pray that, Lord, that um, you would anoint my teaching tonight, that... Um, that the words of my mouth would um, convey your gospel truth. Um, I thank you for being with us, um, for always being with us, and um, for coming in the form um, of us and for living with us. And um, yeah, we just love you so much. Uh, I pray that um, you help us tonight to see your truth. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, so like I said, we're going to be reading out of John 5. Uh, we're going to start in verse 1, uh, and I'm just going to kind of walk us through, and we're going to talk about some stuff. So starting in verse 1, it says, After this... A Jewish festival took place, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. By the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem, there was a pool called Bethesda. In some translations, it might say Bethsaida, but don't worry about it. It's okay. Same place. Um, called Beth Bethesda in Hebrew, which has five colonnades. Within these lay a multitude of the sick, the blind, the, lime, blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. I did that when I was practicing, too. Um, <laughs> so I, I first want us to take notice of something here at the beginning at the beginning of the story, I want us to notice that Jesus never takes the easy way. Um, if you remember in our text last week, Jesus walked through this place that was called Samaria, um, and I want us to also notice that he walked through it, and he didn't walk around it. Jesus went into, the, into Jerusalem at the very place where, where healing was needed, and there are a lot of ways into the city, but it shouldn't surprise us that Jesus didn't take the easy way. 
Um, have, have, you, have you ever been like super upset with somebody? I'm not talking about like, ah, it really upset me. Um, but like something that really irks you and rubs you the wrong way like all the time. Like if, if your roommate leaves dishes in the sink or something like that. No, so that's fine. That's fine. You guys are a lot better than me. Um, I had a roommate that left his dishes in the sink for two months. That's right. Two whole months, this kid left his dirty dishes in the sink. Um, and you want to know what I did? I let those things soak. Uh-uh. I let those things soak. Probably did what a lot of us did and just let them soak. Uh, like, yeah, it makes me mad, but uh, I'm just going to trash talk him behind his back and uh, not really not confront him face to face because that's way easier than confronting him, like, for sure. Way easier than confronting him. So, no, no, I'm just going to stay in my own lane, like, let him, let him soak. He'll figure it out later. Um, maybe, maybe you don't do that. Uh, maybe you do clean the dishes, but uh, once, once you walk right out of your dorm room, then pop in and go to the headphones. Nah, I don't need anybody talking to me today. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna walk down the sidewalk. I'm gonna do my thing. I already did somebody else's dishes. I'm not gonna. I already did my good deed for today. I'm good. I don't want to see somebody else who's promoting another thing talking to me. Maybe even walk on the other side of the street. I don't know how. I don't know how you take the easy way, but um, that's not what Jesus does. Jesus sees the hurt and the pain in Samaria, and he sees the state in which hundreds of people are living in by this pool at this place and moves towards it. Jesus is constantly going to the place where hurt, pain, brokenness, and little to no hope reside. And that's just the first thing that I want us to notice here. So um, let's, let's move on. Uh, the next verse says, One man was there who had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to get well? And again, in some translations, it might say, do you want to be healed? But um, the, the question, do you want to get well, is something that, um, that we're going to focus on tonight. But um, in any case, I digress. Um, man, 38 years. 38 years is a long, long time. It's, it's like we're, some of us, most of us in this room, haven't even been alive long enough to make half of that. And so I, I want us to try to um, imagine, like, uh, if you just, like, try to imagine lying in one place for 38 years. Um, I mean, it's just crazy. And if we can try to imagine that, next thing I want you to do is try to imagine that um, without Netflix. Yeah, you didn't laugh again, dang. So without, without uh, The Office on all the time, without Parks and Rec, New Girl, or whatever show, Sherlock, whatever shows on, on Netflix that you really enjoy binging, you can't lie on a mat and watch those for 38 years. Imagine begging for, for money, for food, for clothes, and this is your new normal. Really, it's your old normal, like 38 years normal. Can you see it? People are always having to, to move you places, you're always depending on somebody else for your very survival. I bet this guy thought about being, being well, or being made well every single day for a while. 10, 20, 30 years. Did he start to just give up and settle in? Have you ever been like that? Have you ever been in this, in this rut that you just... You just can't seem to get out of. Maybe with your, your habits or your personality or your behavior or something like that. 
at a certain point, do you just start to kind of shrug your shoulders because it seems impossible to change or to get well? I, I remember feeling this way. Um, my, my family, another fun fact, my family moved around a lot. And um, the first time that I remember moving, uh, we lived in a little town called Sparta, Tennessee. And um, I, I had everything there, like my, my entire life. Those were like the memories that I had. Those were the friends that I had. Um, that was the, the sports career of an elementary school kid. Uh, the sports career that I had, it was everything. Um, and my, my parents sat me down one day. And they said, listen, buddy, we're, gonna, we're, we're having to move. Uh, Dad got another job somewhere. We're going to have to move. And, and I, I think you can imagine how a fourth grader might react to such traumatic news. You might imagine how they react to not being able to get candy. Um, but like, in, imagine this, uh, all the tears and the sadness and just the, the feelings of, I just lost, basically lost everything. I, I mean, so, so we move, so we move, we go, we go somewhere else, and um, after, a couple, after a couple of months uh, of being in this new place, um, my dad takes me into, um, into my mom and dad's bedroom and sits me down and says, listen, buddy, we're, we're going to have to move again. And you can imagine my reaction now. Instead of this throwing this tantrum and being upset, and I just made new friends, I started playing football, and that just got done. I was about to start basketball, and that was kind of my thing. So I was hoping to make new friends, even, even newer friends, and showing everybody what, what I had to offer. And now we're moving again. So you can imagine my, uh, my reaction. Where to? Where to? I had bought into already this reality that long-term relationships were not for me anymore that my life was not going to be characterized by childhood best friends, that my life was not going to be characterized by growing up somewhere and having these roots. I had bought into this, this false reality that relationships require pain. I don't want to feel pain. I'm good. And I just kind of gave up, just kind of gave into it. Now, can you see how maybe this man might have felt like homeboy's been on this map for 38 years? Maybe he doesn't even think about getting well anymore. Maybe he thinks about what a lot of us think about. I wonder what's, wonder what's for lunch today. I wonder what I'm going to get, what I'm going to be given today. But now, some you know, 38 years later since he's been on this mat, some random dude walks up and looks him in the eye and says, do you want to get well? Think about that. If this happened to you, some dude says, do you want to get well? Like, what are, what are you going to say? I, it's like, like I just told you earlier, I played, I played baseball up at Bryan. And um, in, college, in college sports, they had these, uh, this thing called redshirting. Um, it's basically you get to not play for a year, um, not play for a year of sports, and you still get all four years of your eligibility. It's pretty simple, but uh, we don't need to go into it. But anyway, so it was about, it was about halfway through um, the, the first semester of my sophomore year, right? So my coach calls me in, my head coach calls me in, and sits me down, and we're having this discussion. Uh, really, it's more of a monologue with him, but um, that's fine. Anyway, uh, so we're, we're, having, we're having this meeting, 
And he, and he says to me in this meeting, he says, Tucker, we're going to redshirt you. He said, we, we really feel that you can contribute to the team, um, but, but we're going to redshirt you. We, we really need you to, to get bigger and faster and stronger. And in, in this moment, I, I, have, I have a couple of options. I, I can take this away um, that really leads to growth for me, that really leads to um, thoughts like, oh, coach really thinks that I can, I can contribute to the team. That's kind of cool. Like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sophomore, and coach is already looking ahead and thinking, man, this kid, this kid can really contribute. Like, this is really cool. Um, maybe if I, if I just uh, work a little bit harder, like, I can, I can do some even more extra reps. Like, that would be great, right? Um, no, in, in, instead, I, I take it the route of, and this is, this is all happening in my head, and he says, Tucker, we're going to redshirt you, I think, and uh, we, need you to get, we need you to get better. Um, I take this route in my head that says, what do you mean I need to get better? Does he not know the work that I've been putting in since my sophomore year of high school? The only reason that I'm here, honestly, is because of the work that I put into the weight room and everywhere else since my sophomore year. Does he know how many extra reps I've taken? Does he know how, much, how long I've stayed after practice, that I've stayed in the weight room after other people have gone? Like, what does he mean I need to get bigger and faster? And Does he know where I've been and, like, where I've come? Of course I'm trying to do that already. Of course I want to get better. Like, what's this, guy, what's this guy thinking that I haven't been doing this? Of course I want to get better. Do you see what I mean, though? Do you see what I mean about this question being asked and how this guy might react or feel? Can you imagine a man that's been laying on his mat for 38 years wanting to get better? Can you imagine what's going through his head after that? Like, you serious? I've got 38 years of this sickness under my belt, dude. I've got 38 years of people pushing past me. I've got 38 years of trying hard, of being ignored and taken advantage of. But we don't have to guess what he says. Look at the next passage. Look at the next verse. Sir, the sick man answered, I don't have a man to put me into the pool when the water's stirred up, but while I'm coming down, somebody comes down ahead of me. Do you want to get well? And the man doesn't even answer the question. He, he tells Jesus how impossible his situation is. No one can help me. I can't even help, my, I can't even help me. My situation's hopeless. Have you ever been so hopeless that when somebody asks you, do you want help, you don't even know how to answer the question? That's the 38-year suffering that this man's been in. He's given up. Now, perhaps you have in your mind how Jesus responds to this sort of thing. How does God respond to our defensiveness? Or how does God respond to our hopelessness? Maybe to our excuses or to our giving up. Maybe some of you think he's going to say, you're not good. You need me. Quit feeling sorry for yourself. Come on, get up. Try a little bit harder. Push a little bit more. Do just a little bit more. Struggle a little bit more, and you'll get to me. I promise. Come on. Come on. Come on. Maybe you think he's going to say that. Maybe you think he's going to say, you know what? You're right. My bad. I, I thought that you were sick or that you, you know, were lying there not on, not on purpose. So uh, I, I thought that you needed a little bit of help. Uh, if you say you're good, then, you know, who am I to judge? You know, do you? Don't worry about it. Maybe some of us think that Jesus is going to respond like that. But Jesus doesn't do either of these things. Let's look at what he says. 
Get up, Jesus told him. Pick up your bedroll and walk. And instantly, the man got well, picked up his bedroll, and walked. Get up. That's his response. In his word, there is power, and his word is enough. His word is enough to cut through defensiveness, and his word is enough to cut through hopelessness. And it's enough to make this man well. Now, remember, this guy doesn't light up and scream, Yes, Lord, please make me well. Please, yes. He gives excuses. Maybe a little bit of attitude. And then Jesus commands him to get up. And he does. And he picks up his mat and he walks. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? This question has not lost its power. Maybe you've never been asked it. I don't know. But I'm asking it now. Do you want to get well? It's the same question that Jesus is asking you. And it's the same invitation that he's offering. And maybe you, maybe you have given up. Maybe that you've got your excuses. And maybe your normal is so normalized that you don't even know that you need help. What's keeping you on the mat, friends? Is it the fact that you've just been in it for so long that you can't see a way out? You, you don't see how you could change at this point. It's probably too late for you. Is it your family history? Is it the fact that it's just because it's who you are now? You just, you just kind of accepted this fact. It's your identity. I'm, I'm the guy on the mat now. There's there's no point in me changing. If I tried to change now, like, can you imagine what people would think of me? Can you imagine what they would say to me if I tried to be somebody different, if I tried to be this person who you're saying that I'm called to be? Maybe it's because we found out that if we stay down on the mat, then we don't really have to do all that much. Somebody else provides the food. Somebody else brings us to the pool. Somebody else takes us home, and we think that's living. But Jesus doesn't hold out this lame, passive, or mediocre life to us. He's holding out abundant life. Do you want to get well? Are we just so saturated with this idea of the good life that our culture has, has shoved in our face that we can't accept anything other than our own flimsy ideas of what it might be? mean to make us happy. Or, or maybe, maybe we want to get well. Maybe you do want to get well, but we don't believe that God can do it. Maybe you do believe that God can do it, but just not for you. We, we think that he can do it. We believe that God can do it, but there's just something uniquely wrong with you. You're just a little bit too broken. You're a little bit more broken than this person over here. Something's uniquely wrong with you, that says God can't do it for you. For some reason, you're too far gone, too broken. Jesus came for those people, but not for me. Maybe you think you're actually doing fine. You know, Matt's not too uncomfortable. Uh, whatever, it's not that bad. It's not really hurting anyone. I just learned to live with it, deal with it. I mean, I've just kind of accepted, you know, this is just who I am, and... Uh, that's, that's all there is to it. But Jesus said that I came for the sick. 
Jesus said, I came for the sick. And perhaps we can't just bring ourselves to admit the ways in which we need help, which is crushing. Because I know that when it's dark and when it's quiet and when there's no one else around, I know that you feel it. Because I do too. But God loves you and he is holding out this abundant life for you. He wants to put what was broken, what is broken, back together again. He wants to heal what is wounded, and he wants to make you well. So, so what's the mat that we're lying on? What does it look like for us to get up and walk, so to speak? Now, this is, this is also a place where I, I feel that I need to tell you that we can't do this alone, that uh, the world continues to tell us that we need to find it in and of ourselves to get up off of our mats, whatever that may look like. That you need to find your Enneagram type and you need to build your own personal brand. That to do you, be happy, that's what you need to make something out of you, by you. And when that doesn't work, then we turn to friends or we turn to counselors, pastors, social media influencers. But that's never enough, is it? No one is but God. And God doesn't ask you to get up and to get well on your own strength. No, he doesn't do that. He doesn't require that you get yourself together before he offers his help to you. God goes the whole way. Jesus came from his place in heaven beside the Father, came to the dust and dirt and grime of the earth, clothed himself in flesh, came as the most vulnerable thing on earth, grew up as any child would have in that culture, became a man, and bent down and looked at this man on a mat. He brought all of the resources of his kingdom to make this man well. Asking only that he would receive him. What if Jesus is bringing all of the resources of his kingdom to make you well. What if Jesus loves you enough to do that? What if he's bringing all of these resources of his kingdom to help you get up and walk? And the only question is whether or not you want to get well. What if that's it? Do you want to get well? Um, during this, this upcoming time of communion, there are going to be um, members of the prayer team that are going to be up here in the front and to the sides. Um, they, they are some wonderful people who would love to uh, have a conversation with you and to pray with you and to love you in, in that way. Um, 
any, anyone on our staff that, that's here tonight, me or, or Trent or Emily or Logan, uh, I'm pretty sure that they have name tags, so be sure to find them uh, if you would like to. Um, or Jason, forgot about him almost. But we, we would love to have this conversation with you. Just, just talk, just have a conversation um, about what it looks like to, um, to take up your mat, to walk. We're about to go into, before our time of communion, we're about to go into this time, this moment of silence. And um, I, I want to encourage you to, um, to, to take this time and really slow down. Um, even though it might be uncomfortable because we're a little bit uncomfortable with silence in our day and age, it might be uncomfortable, but that doesn't mean that it's not good. Even though something's uncomfortable doesn't mean that it's not good. Um, I, I want to encourage you to slow down and take a deep breath and reflect on what God is doing in your hearts and in your minds. And also in that time, I want to encourage you to ask God, to talk with God and ask God what it might look like to take Jesus' hand, to take Jesus' outstretched hand, let him help you up off of your mat and start walking. And then, of course, get up, take up your mat and walk. So uh, we're going to take uh, about a minute, about 60 seconds of, of silence, and then we're going to um, go into our time of communion. Um, but first, I want to pray for you guys. Um, Jesus, we know that you are here. We know that um, you are with us, and I just thank you for that truth. I thank you for your outstretched hand that is stretched out to all of us um, that's offering help up off of our mat, and um, I thank you for the command to walk. I pray that in this moment, um, Holy Spirit, that you would move amongst us, um, that you would stir our hearts and our minds, um, and you would lead us in the direction that you would uh, want us to go. Thank you so much, Jesus. We love you so, so much, um, and all of this is, is for you, and um, all of this is in your name, Lord. And it's in your name we also pray. Amen.